Yes, it is time now to ride into the arena with your flags flying, with your flag on held high. I said flag on, friends, with uh, great foaming goblets of medieval, impossibly, indescribably, sickeningly uh, drunk-defying drinks out of the medieval days. My God. And uh, what, what, incidentally, is the great uh, cry of passion that is found every four or five days in the New York Times? Crossword puzzle. What? Begins with an E. Four letters. Meaning Greek or Roman. Actually, Roman. Roman cry of Bacchanalia. Evil, I say. Evil to you. <laughs> God. Ah, evil. Come and sit upon my knee, wench. Wench, I said. Wench. Which is very close to what you hear in Staten Island. Listen. Hearing the Irish children crying to his fleet, returned and preached the creed of gentleness. Then were the shields all beaten in the tackling bell. The cream of Europe's youth not... Well, that sound is not feedback. That's the sound of a medieval instrument being played off stage. It's all right. Listen to this. Oh, this is... Oh, they really know how to do it in the medieval days. Compare this with David Bowie. My God. Listen to that. This peace prevails until... Until, until the Danish galleys flying the dark raven flag descended on our shores. Then all the turbulence and flame is <laughs> crashing to the ground. All right, now, now just, just fade Again, it down behind you, Chris. Just, just a wee bit. And just keep it running. Before. That's it. Now, if you're curious as to what in the hell's going on, isn't that lovely? This is recorded. I recorded this, uh, oh, about uh, ten days ago. You'll hear the bang of a microphone occasionally, so don't worry about it. This is a very off, uh, unofficial recording. This was recorded in a genuine medieval castle outside of the town of Innes in Ireland, a castle that was built, uh, oh, it actually was begun. You know, castles weren't built like you didn't call Levitt up and have them knock one together. Uh, this castle was built over a period of 300 years, beginning sometime late in the 10th century. And it was finally finished and ready, you know, for the family to move in in 1467. In between times, they were living in caves and various other things and hiding in the swamps from the invading barbarians. And then 1467, this castle, known as Knapog Castle, K-N-A-P-P-O-G-U-E, was finally in full flower. This was right in the great uh, full period of the medieval panoply. And uh, that castle still stands in absolute 
uh, authentic detail outside of the city of Venice. And every night, this goes on there. Listen carefully. Outside these walls of Napoleon. Napoleon. The Rome's barbarous confederation of the clans known by the name Dan of the Tribute. I king of this land was one. Now, I'll have to explain how this happens. Every night, a true medieval banquet is served in the main banquet hall of this castle, and uh, players from the Abbey Theater, among other places, perform as you enjoy this fantastic banquet. It's really medieval, too. I mean, they serve great loaves of bread that were made on the actual moles that the castle had from the 15th century. The McNamara clan occupied this castle, and it remained in that family, by the way, all the way up until 1855. The McNamaras were a great uh, chieftain clan of uh, kings and chieftains that uh, reigned throughout the southern Irish area there and fought off countless uh, invasions, including Norman invasions and <laughs> invasions by uh, the... the the Druids, the Celts, and you name it, uh, they were fighting them all the time. It seems like almost all of Irish history consists of one gigantic fistfight, uh, one clan against the other. And this castle, with its moat and its, uh, its uh, barricaded walls, and, and it's, a, it's a fantastic sight at night. It's all lit up. And you come in, and you're greeted by uh, the people in the authentic dress of that period who speak in that, those tones. And it's as though you're a visiting lord who has come for a meal that night in the castle at Napog, and you've come with your servants uh, to ward off uh, barbarians and one thing and another on the way over. Of course, a little problem always arises. And uh, he beats off the wolves. There were plenty of wolves down there at that time. And uh, you arrive, and you are greeted at the castle gate uh, by uh, songs and by dances, which is what they actually did in those days when a visiting lord would arrive. And then you're, you're ushered into the, the great uh, hall, and uh, it's all done in costume, incidentally. It's beautifully lit, and uh, all of you gather around these great medieval tables, and they serve you with mead. Actually, have you ever had a glass of mead? You can have all the mead you want if you can stand it. Uh, mead will drive you out of your head in about five or six swallows of that stuff. You don't give a damn whether they're singing or playing. You're ready to go out and fight the wolves yourself. Uh, in fact, you may turn into a wolf. But uh, this is done every night in this great castle outside of Ennis. And I, I'd been, I, this is my second time there. I went to the first time. I thought it can't be as much fun as it seems, but it is. It's purely participatory theater. In other words, you are set in this thing, and you're part of a, of a great uh, banquet hall ceremony. And uh, you're addressed as a lord uh, throughout the evening, and the serving maids come around. And now uh, you can do whatever lords did in those days, you know, uh, providing, of course, that the guardi or the local gendarme will let you get away with it, depending on whether or not the maid will let you get away with it. Most of them won't, being good Catholic girls. But uh, nevertheless, you can, you, can, you can, you know, holler things like avant if you want. Show you're right out of Jersey if you do, however. And so as they serve these medieval dishes, which include, by the way, among other things, uh, they include uh, the beef fixed the way they fixed it in those days.
they uh, is it over now? Okay, I'll tell you what you do. Uh, that's the end of the tape. Well, well, check it and look, will you? Don't just look at me dumbly, Chris. Just check and see. Is it, is it arrived at the end? There, he's pulling it out of a little machine. No, it's not at the end. There's a little more there. Well, then flip it over, and you'll find, if you'll go through it, uh, you'll find uh, about midway it picks up again on the tape. Be careful, though. There's other stuff on there, and I don't want that to get out. We'll all be in jail. However, this was recorded in this castle. Now, if you want to know more about it, I'll tell you a little more while Chris is getting this thing set up for us in there. During the the uh, evening, and I, and I might say that as a as a traveler, this is one of the most fun things. If you if you enter it with the spirit in which it's done, you can have a fantastic evening. If you don't let it all hang out, uh, you 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 get the you get a curious feeling actually because you are in a true medieval dining hall, and they do serve you with medieval food, including mead. Uh, they serve you with... Uh, 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 hold it there. Just just wait. Turn it off a minute. I'll put it back on. They'll, they'll, they serve you with claret, uh, which was the, uh, drunk with all the meals in those days, uh, at least in this uh, type of, uh, I suppose you can say, elevated society. I mean, the serfs did not eat like this. I can assure you, the serfs like Girth and Wamba, who were out back out there, back of the stables, taking care of the palfreys. Uh, they <laughs> and, and it's a, just a great experience. Now, the castle itself is a, a true medieval castle. Now, that's as opposed to many castles that were, uh, in a sense, uh, destroyed uh, in later centuries and allowed to fall into ruin. This castle was the way it is now, in the 1400s, and it's magnificent. It's surrounded by great grounds, and as you drive in, uh, the entire castle is surrounded by cattle. Uh, cattle are lying in the grass and all around. It's a very pastoral scene. You can be five million miles away when you go into this thing from the world that you know now, and you're totally out of the context of 20th century time. Uh, both physically and, I suppose you might say, spiritually when you get into this situation. Now, what happens after you get in? Uh, you you come into this uh, castle. It's, it's totally untouristized. It's not uh, not one of these situations where uh, there, there's all kinds of little guys selling you souvenir castles, uh, you know, made out of Reynolds wrap that you can put on your hat, uh, pictures of Aunt Mildred standing next to the moat, all that sort of thing. This is a real, <laughs> a real castle. And... Uh, and when you come into this thing, you're greeted at the and the entranceway, and everybody stands around in the entranceway. This thing is a great, high arched, uh, gothic uh, stone room that you're in. It's a real thing, and uh, a girl greets you, dressed in the dress of 1467, and three of them are singing songs of greeting uh, of the period, playing an Irish lute which was a, an important uh, instrument at the time, and a devil of an instrument to play, by the way. Uh, she plays the Irish lute. Another one plays a flute of the period, and the third sings. And uh, the, the uh, host is dressed in the dress of the McNamaras, including their traditional tribal or clan colors, and he speaks in the tones, as you hear on this tape, you can hear him speaking, uh, of that period, he speaks in uh, 
vaguely uh, what we would call almost Elizabethan stage English. After a while, you know, you'd be amazed at how your ear gets tuned to it. And as you listen to this uh, uh, performance, they begin the performance halfway through the, uh, the, the meal. You, you gather around these tables, and it's dark. It's very dark and overha- overhanging the entire hall. Are, uh, are the great uh, clan flags, uh, the, the pennants, pennons, uh, the, uh, the medieval tapestry pennons of the, of the clans of that area, all that area around it, the McNamara's and, and uh, the various clans that lived in the area. And they, 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 they just drift down over you. You've seen pictures of this. If you've ever seen, did you see a movie called Westworld? You should have seen it. Uh, Westworld uh, was a Michael Crichton movie, the guy that wrote the Andromeda Strain, and then Westworld. You could go to to you could make your choice. This is set in the future, of course, and you can go. Uh, the vacations have become so exotic by that period that you can choose three different periods of time where you can actually live for two weeks. One of them was Rome during its great days of decadence. And there you are, you're, you're flailing around in the pool there with your toga, and Nubian handmaidens are feeding you grapes. Or you can live in the Old West, which is the one they actually chose in the movie. Or you could live in medieval Great Britain, which is actually what this is. And uh, this is a taste of that kind of life. And when you come in, they, uh, they, they give you the mead. You drink a great flagon of mead, and they begin to sing, and they toast you. And you move into the banquet hall. And shortly after the first food is served, which includes, by the way, the various things that they served in those days, including such things as fish. Uh, fish was a big dish in those days. And they serve you uh, contemporary, uh, uh, magnificent Irish smoked salmon is what you're actually served. And uh, this is fish of the type. And a- they actually smoked it in those days because there was no refrigeration, of course. And the only way you could preserve food was by smoking or salting. So they, uh, the the art of uh, smoked under oak uh, fires, smoked salmon began to develop around the time of the medieval days in Ireland. And you actually have this, including the type of bread they serve. You know, the bread, the Irish bread is fascinating, particularly of that period. Great round, chunky, uh, sort of dark loaves with a heavy crust on them. And uh, you're served a claret. And as you do this, by the way, this is WOR New York, in case you're interested in the medieval voice. We're we're very medieval here anyway, in many aspects. I mean, we have lords and ladies, the whole bit goes on here. There's an entire entire social structure that's very, very difficult to to describe to the outsider that is very medieval here at WOR, in case you're curious. There are the peers, uh, the, the lords of the realm, and it goes all the way down to the serfs, who, by the way, are referred to only by a single name. No serf is ever given a last name. You know, Girth and Wamba uh, were never known as Wamba O'Reilly or uh, Girth Shanigan, nothing like that. So we have people around here that are all known only as Frank or Fred, and they're the serfs. They're down in the dungeon here carrying on the various uh, medieval tasks that the dungeon denizens have always carried on, you know, cleaning out the johns, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, taking care of the horses and stuff. And we up here in the peerage exist high up over the, over the greensward. And we have our own medieval pennons, too, and our own little fiefdoms. And uh, we'll go into that later on. 
Uh, one of the uh, one of the things, of course, that the Lord always does is to fling out an occasional uh, bit of largesse to the uh, to uh, well, I, I have to say uh, probably to the uh, the laboring peasant of the field, which in this case is you. So uh, we're hurling out a bit of largesse there. Throw him that commercial, please. Let's say uh, you know uh, all all lieges and all lords. Uh, any any bit of largesse he threw out, he demanded at least three times in return. So don't think you're getting nothing for nothing here, friends. Sooner or later, you're going to own generals. It's inevitable. It's like fighting off the ice age or the glaciers coming down to take you. And uh, incidentally, generals' tires are having a great pre-labor day tire sale. Now, the labor day itself is a salute to the peasantry, and the, the uh, laboring serf of the field. And so... General Tires having a pre-Labor Day tire sale, Wamba. Uh, famous General Polyjet White Walls are now available even for your simple uh, donkey, uh, donkey-propelled donkey cart, which you take around the field there. So go down to General Tire there. See what they've got for all of you. Pre-Labor Day sale. Sooner or later, you're going to own Generals, friends. In Greenwich, see Lou Galasso, old friendly Lou at State Line Tire. He's the big one there. The one with a short, fat, smelly cigar. That's Lou Galasso at State Line Tire on Putnam Avenue in Greenwich. Do you have another goodie for us? Speaking of uh, medieval his daddy drinks. played cornet and his mama played honky-tonk piano. He was born on a bus traveling to a one-night stand in Joplin. He picked up a guitar when he was seven and he's never put it down. And for the last 30 years, he's plied his trade, playing blues and rock and country making some of the sweetest music you'll ever hear. He works where most people relax, in a thousand nameless saloons that dot the land. So when he relaxes, he gets real loose, heads for some old sidemen and the best-tasting beer he can find. If you've got the time, we've got the beer, Miller beer. Miller tastes too good to hurry that's what Miller Time is all about. Taking time to appreciate the difference between a good beer and a great beer. Miller High Life, America's quality beer since 1855. Thank you, very good. That's nice. Certainly is. He gets real loose, it says. He knows how to relax. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You notice they mentioned Joplin in passing in that spot. Did you hear that? Or don't you listen to him? You have an automatic spot eraser in your head, huh? It's, uh, you know, I'm just the opposite. The only time reality comes into television is when there's a commercial on. I mean, that's real life. I'm telling you, when that Preparation H man is laying it down, he's talking about life closer to the truth than canon ever gets. That's all right. Uh, and uh, you, you notice he mentioned Joplin? How many of you know where Joplin is? That's right. That's right. Alabama. And uh, you're really right on. But I want to say this. I spent one hellish weekend in Joplin, which I have immortalized in a short story. Uh, for any of you who, who remember a short story I did for Playboy among uh, 36 or so currently, at this point I have a couple more in the works, uh, a short story called The Aider from Decatur. You recall a short story? Well, it was a story about an army crap game. Maybe that's a better... You do remember it that way. Nobody remembers titles, yeah, unless the title is pornographic. 
but uh, nevertheless, the Aider from Decatur is about Joplin, a hellish night spent in a hotel in Joplin, Missouri. And you could not relax by getting a beer, I'll tell you that. Took a little more than that. Now, what's, what's this Abrams thing you got? Let's hear it. Hit Let it. me ask you something. Do you know who's supposed to represent your interests when Con Edison takes a case before the Public Service Commission to raise electric rates? Well, that's the job of the Attorney General. What about the price fixing that goes on in supermarkets? Who's supposed to check into that for the public? The Attorney General. It's the same way with the anti-consumer practices of the big oil companies, unfair premiums imposed by insurance companies, questionable bank policies. In all of these, the state attorney general is supposed to represent your interests. He's the people's lawyer. Now, let me ask you something else. Do you think your interests are being represented? That's why a growing number of New Yorkers want Bob Abrams to be our next attorney general. Paid for by the Robert Abrams for Attorney General Committee Incorporated, Ethan Ghetto, treasurer. We need a strong new voice like Bob Abrams to speak up for us. Hey, that can't be a real guy, Ethan Ghetto. That doesn't sound like a real name. But the <laughs> you hear that, Ethan Ghetto? Charlie Slum sends you this. But uh, nevertheless, uh, there's, a, there's a tag which merely repeats the previous tag. Time for the following or the preceding political announcement was paid for by the Robert Abrams for Attorney General Committee, Inc. They're incorporated. I mean, a board of directors and everything. Well, uh, that's very official. I'm starting to... I, I'm thinking of, of forming a committee, the Gene Shepard to take over the Johnny Carson Show Citizens Action Committee, Incorporated. And uh, <laughs> I'd love it, man. <laughs> that show would be different. 30 seconds after, I think, our clean slate... We'd start a prohibition right there against Toady Fields. Zsa, Zsa Gabor would be sent out to pasture. Victor Borga would be sent back to that place that he used to run selling chickens, the Victor Borga Chicken Company. And uh, we'd have a complete new slate, new guests, the whole bit. I, George, I'll tell you, there'd be riots in the streets within weeks after we took over. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless... Uh, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, yes, we have one more commercial. But before we do that commercial, I'm going to go back to uh, this, uh, this castle. Now, I, I, I have just returned from a, from a trip to Ireland. Now, uh, I, I, you know, the, it's very difficult to talk about another country. But uh, I might say this, and uh, I might say this in deference to and in uh, appreciation for traveling. There's a difference, you know, between traveling and touristing. Big difference. And if you've done any traveling around the world, you know that a tourist has a certain way of doing things, and he travels to certain well-traveled, well-worn paths. Now, not all of them are wrong, I might add. Many of the places that a tourist goes deserve to be visited. It's how you visit them that makes the difference. I've seen people run into a 10th century Gothic abbey, run in, uh, just come running in frantically. Can you imagine this? A 10th century fantastic abbey standing there, uh, outlined against the sky, and uh, un completely unpreserved and not restored. Here's this great ruin. They'll come running in, whip out their instamatics, Take four pictures of Fred standing next to the medieval or the, uh, let's say, the pre-medieval sacrificial block 
He gets his picture taken. He runs out, jumps back in a bus, and on they go. And he thinks he's <laughs> he's seeing this gothic. Uh, he can't even remember. Five minutes later, somebody says, "You know, wasn't that fantastic, Charlie? That gothic media, that that fantastic gothic Abbey." He said, "What gothic Abbey? You mean that that uh, that beer joint we went to last night?" The guy says, "No, no, no. That you remember the place with the nave and the, the apps and and uh, they had uh, all this great stuff." He said, "You mean all them rocks?" And uh, that's his uh, uh, his <laughs> his visit to the to the Abbey. Well, now. On the other hand, there are people also who who look at uh, who look at, I suppose you might say, geographical topography of a place and never see it, because it's so out of the reality that they know that it's like looking at a vast crotochrome slide. And instant boredom sets in, because they're not making contact with the reality of where they are. Now, this is a difficult concept to 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 absorb, because you know McLuhan has written much about this. In other words, the, I suppose you might say, the ability of modern man to almost unfailingly and instinctually, and I might add even uh, automatically, to abstractize, or should I say abstract things he looks at. How many times have you heard people say, that was just like out of a television show? Or, wow, that was just like the movies. In other words, he's saying this was really real, <laughs> which is curious, because most of us today think of television shows and movie shows as the reality. Your own life is just a drag that has to be survived to get to the next show. Uh, this is reality. Most people feel much more communion with Robert Redford than they do anybody they know. It's curious. It's a very odd problem. And this also goes with topography. It goes with geography. Certain geographical things uh, we have seen endless times in films, so they have an unreality to them. And so as you look at the, let's say, the, the Great Plains states, I was just out in South Dakota. I covered the Deadwood, South Dakota Rodeo for CBS here about a month ago. And when you're there, you see endless people standing, looking with a curious look on their face. They're all from places like Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, they're looking at the West, and they expect to see this little dust-covered wagon train coming down with John Wayne at the head. And uh, somehow Jack Palance is up in the hills there, plotting no good. And uh, only Alan Ladd stands between the little train and disaster. And if it doesn't happen, it's not real. Uh, and so they try to create it. Actually, I, uh, you should see one of the saddest sights in Deadwood. Deadwood, South Dakota, is the covered wagon uh, pizzeria. Now, that's a sight to see, friends. It's made out of vinyl, and it's the most obscene covered wagon you ever saw. It looks like a great big bloated, truncated, uh, overblown, pregnant caterpillar. And there's a guy standing in the opening there selling uh, 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 pizzas, and he's selling also... A uh, sandwich is called Wagon Train Special. And what is a Wagon Train Special? Well, a Wagon Train Special is an anemic Big Mac. Wagon Train Special. <laughs> and now, the point is, people come out there, and they stand in front of this place and get their pictures taken. It's the West, as far as they're concerned. Well, this also fits with Ireland. And many a person thinks he's going to see John Wayne again, uh, going down the lane with Barry Fitzgerald. Uh, riding in his little donkey, 
uh, told uh, uh, Cart and Fitzgerald is eternally a priest, and uh, and Bing Crosby is singing uh, Galway Bay, and this is the Ireland they look for, purely Hollywood Ireland. The real Ireland evades them. And so uh, when you stand on the cliffs of Moher and look down over the greatest cliffs I've ever seen in my life, the most scary sight I've ever seen in my life, which is a great, fantastic cliff. It's the furthest, most east, eastern part, western part, rather, of the European continent. Extends out to the ocean. These great 700-foot cliffs that drop black rock right down to the ocean. People stand there with a stunned look. They never saw this in the movies. Uh, it, uh, it, it even transcends anything you saw in Ryan's Daughters. Uh, Ryan's Daughter, you saw the movie? Well, a lot of that uh, was shot in this area, by the way, where this castle is that you're listening to. Magnificent country. But the country is so staggering when you see it that it's hard to make a reality to it. And so when you come into this, this uh, 15th century castle, uh, you have to keep pinching yourself saying, this is a real 15th century castle. This is not something that they put up at Disneyland. You know, it's not Disneyland. No way. This is the real thing. And we're so used to the Disneyland castles that we feel a little cheated. <laughs> you know, we feel a little cheated by the whole thing because, uh, uh, you know, a group of knights don't come galloping out all dressed up by Hollywood casting and start having a juice there in front of us. But this is the real thing, and you can almost smell the the uh, 14th and 15th centuries in this atmosphere. It's there all around you. The sweating stone walls, the great shadows. This thing goes way up, these great Gothic arches, and you look up in there, and this darkness is above you. And uh, you can just smell the, the centuries in this place. Now, every night in the middle of the, of the, the, uh, the banquet that is served, and it's served with candlelit. It's all candlelit in there, by the way. None of this is lit with electricity or anything. Uh, you're sitting there eating your, your, your 14th and 15th century bread and drinking wine. Uh, they have beautifully lit, right in the middle of the banquet hall, these players come on stage in exactly the same way they did in those days. You know, all lords were entertained during their meals. They were entertained by songs and entertained by players and jesters and one thing and another. Uh, what they do is, in, in, a, in a sense, a one-hour, beautifully produced, uh, very moving uh, one-hour... In fact, I saw an Irishman that after this thing was over, he couldn't talk for ten minutes. He was in tears. I mean, a real Irishman. I mean, a man who had seen this seven or eight times before because it was a moving history of all of mankind. Because you know, when you're talking about Western man, you're not talking about countries. You're talking about the growth of all of us, really. That spread out from the ancient Celts and the Normans and the uh, the Angles and the Saxons and all the great uh, peoples that preceded a centuries past, and this is where Western society began to take shape and form in this area, uh, and uh, uh, all through the British Isles and through uh, the Normans and the, the French coast, and you get a sense suddenly of of not just a nation history but a history of what could be called Western man. Now and, and they they sing and they they never stop. It's all lit and beautifully beautifully produced, and uh, this is the way it sounds as you sit there and eat. And I just recorded this with the mic turned on. And they sing. These are girls who are local girls who sing the songs of the different periods as they move through the history of this castle, which saw all the great periods of history.
going back to 1400. And the clicks and the, the little rattles you hear all around are people eating at my table. They were serving uh, beef and wine and bread. All these girls, by the way, are in authentic costumes of the period. Lit by candlelight, it's extremely uh, dramatic. accompanied on an Irish harp. You've probably seen pictures of the Irish harp, but there's a girl playing the harp behind her. Small Irish harp. These songs, red with rebellion, are songs due. A maxim out of rebel Lefty Hall in 1641. Later, this castle experienced the Cromwellian thread. Cromwell this invasion. This area was the place of rapparees. The others called them pirates. One of these men, Galloping Hogan was his name. Here's a great song. The South is out of the League of to blow an English sea train into the smithereens. And they act it out. They don't just stand and sing. They perform it. Guy comes out dressed like him, and he's a gigantic, red-haired, red-bearded Irishman sings this. Dressed in the costume of the period. They're dancing and performing on their candlelit uh, stage lights. It's really, really beautiful to watch. Get the get the applause there. Hold it there. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's uh, it's very eerie how they can re almost uh, you can re-enter a period in time if it's done theatrically right. 
this is true theater, I believe. Uh, it's done in the round, incidentally. Everybody is sitting around in these great the medieval tables all around this thing. They're right in the middle of you. And uh, they perform uh, very much so in the, uh, I, I guess in the tradition, what could be called in the, in the tradition of the, the kind of, uh, there, is a, there is a term which is used theatrically, uh, it's a form of theater which was very prevalent up through about 1800, which is a theater that's performed within a dwelling house, but with the people all around it. It's an offshoot, incidentally, of, uh, of uh, religious performing, which is another story. And speaking of religions, there's nothing we believe in more here in a few spots thrown at him at the right time. Our air shipping service is better. Our service is better. Ours goes anywhere. To bring sanity to the clutter of air shipping claims, here's a message from Tom Cole, president of REA Air Express, to clear the air once and for all. Look, every air shipping service claims it's faster, bigger, or whatever. I say put up or shut up. Last year, REA Air Express handled a million shipments more than Emory, Airborne, and Shulman combined. Only Air Express offers priority boarding of your shipments on the first flight out. And Only Air Express gives door-to-door service to 450 airport cities and 22,000 communities under the control of one carrier, one management. Insist on the original Air Express, REA Air Express. It's the service with the differences that you, the shipper, demand. So prove it yourself, like six and a half million shippers did last year. Just look us up in the white or yellow pages and call for a fast pickup. But whatever you do, don't be fooled by imitators. Things are confused enough. Yeah. Okay, get ready. Pull in your gut there, buddy. Someday you'll own. Someday you'll own. Someday you'll own. Someday you'll own. It's inevitable. No sense fighting it. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. Boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get carried away by these. The only songs I know are commercials. I can sing 5,000 commercials. I don't even know the, the Star Spangled Banner, but I can sing the General Tire Spot. Great. General Tire Super Pre-Labor Day Tire Sale is now underway. So get down to your General Tire place and find out all about it. You can save dough on black walls, white walls, pink walls, green walls, the whole bit. General Tires, and it's State Line Tire on Putnam Avenue in Greenwich. See Big Fat Lou Galasso. Who's there? Sooner or later, you'll own Generals. Sooner or later, you'll own Generals. Okay, that's enough for General for tonight. I hope you're enjoying these Irish uh, sagas. Uh, I certainly uh, did, obviously. And I would like to, uh, speaking of... Uh, sagas uh, for, from time to time we've talked about restaurants on the show and I'd like to again line out one to you one of my favorite really uh, personal favorite restaurants in this area is the Blue Ribbon restaurant which is right here in the heart of Times Square a rarity a good restaurant in Midtown New York and if you've ever lived in Midtown New York the way I live of course you don't really live in Midtown New York you exist barely you have a snorkel up in the air that keeps the air coming in you know Wear a tin hat and all that. But uh, the Blue Ribbon at 145 West 44th Street, which is right out, right off Times Square, right in the heart of the theater district, is a great, great German restaurant. And they're open Monday through Saturday from 11.30 in the morning until midnight. And if you're going to make the theater scene in New York uh, and you're looking for a place to have dinner before the theater, 
Blue Ribbon, 145 West 44th Street. They have a great bar, imported beers. It's a place worth going to. Blue Ribbon. You know, speaking of food, uh, I was impressed with the food in Ireland. I happen to be a seafood cuckoo. Love good, love good seafood. And there is no place in the world where you get salmon. Do you like salmon? Oh, God. I mean, one day salmon's going to be illegal, like pot and all that other stuff, you know, just because it's such a sheer, total uh, passion uh, trip. Uh, but they have smoked salmon and fresh salmon there that are obscene. I mean, you know, you order salmon in, in Ireland, and you get an inch-and-a-half salmon steak, man, for about a, maybe two two fifty. That is just unbelievable. But uh, do you want to hear one more? Just give me one more little note of this. Just a little note. You hear that wild applause for medieval theater going on there? Here it is. Well, I'm going to talk about medieval theater now. Shepard has his own medieval theater. And in Carnegie Hall, September 14th, we are going to celebrate the true Druidic rites. So if you have a pagan side of you, be sure to be in Carnegie Hall. Be sure to be in Carnegie Hall Saturday night, the 14th. And by the way, the tickets go on sale at the Carnegie Hall box office in answer to a lot of letters and calls we've gotten. It goes on sale this Monday, right? That's the 14th. Uh, get your babysitter all lined up. Send your wife out of town for that weekend. Take the babysitter. Come into Carnegie Hall and have a hell of a night uh, celebrating Druidic rites. We're going to sacrifice an actual virgin there that night on stage. And we're going to perform our famous uh, underwater ballet, which has been prevented by the police many, many times in the past. So would you please bring up a little more of that medieval singing? Out of Napog Castle. Do you know that right at this minute, this very minute, this right this minute... They're performing this right now in, in Ireland. This is done late at night. Uh, they begin the performance about 9 o'clock, and it goes to 1 o'clock in the morning with the darkness overhanging it all. That's it. Mingle the two. There you go, Chris. Oh, my God. You can, you can, just, you can just taste the, the invading Normans are approaching through the peat bogs to the south. And you're sitting there clinging to your medieval maiden and drinking mead as fast as you can get it down. Because any minute now, you're liable to get a mace on top of the head and a halberd in the gut. Bring it up. <laughs> I, I, I would like to bring out some of my middle English obscenities that I know, but the, the kids are still up at this hour. And a few of them might know what we're talking about. So we'll do another Irish show tomorrow night. And call all your friends named O'Reilly and tell them to get their tape recorders going. Because the old sod is still there and is doing fine, friends. Doing real good. You know that. You know why they call it the Emerald Isle? It really is green year-round. The greenest grass you ever saw in your life. And, uh, well, there's other things, too. For those of you that are not ruminating animals. Don't you know what a ruminant is? A person that has rummage sales? No. Not at all. You mean a, a bum on 3rd Avenue is a ruminant? No, that's a, that's a termogen. Yeah, that's right. We've got to keep our facts straight here. We're going up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to know the name of the place? It's Napog Castle. K-N-A-P-O-G-U-E. Outside of Henderson, County Clare. 
Yes, and this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Big Roger Skibbon is next. You have a superb choice of sophisticated styles, superb seating comfort, superb sleeping comfort, plus a superb choice of luxury fabrics. See the latest Castro designs, meticulously tailored with fashionable weaves and textures, all at great savings. Because Castro manufactures, Castro sells, Castro delivers. Castro, the symbol of elegance and top performance, the name you can always depend on. Convenient terms, including Master Charge and Bank America. I'm a bad habit. You know, that nasty old cigarette you're smoking, that third martini you're ordering, that unmentionable fantasy you're having, that fingernail you're biting, that malamar you're sneaking. I'm an awful little demon, and just about everybody knows me. There's even a Broadway comedy about me. It's called Bad Habits. It's at the Booth Theater. All the critics loved it. Clive Barnes said Bad Habits is very funny. I could tell you a few things about Clive Barnes, too. <laughs> Oh, gee, that was exciting. <laughs> I'd love to hear some things about Clyde Barnes. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know where it's all heading. Uh, do you have one more for us, Alvin, please? If somebody asks you where you can get a great meal in Theater District Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan, don't you dare be stuck for an answer. Cheers Steakhouse may have subdued lighting. They may have a subdued service, very busy, but nobody yells or nervously pushes you around. But outside of that, nothing else about Cheers is subdued. The quality is stark, raging, raucous at Cheers, the deliciousness of the steak and the roast beef. They have a special feature called the Horn of Plenty. I don't have time to tell you everything on that board. It's like a big old legendary feast like you might have seen in a painting somewhere. Complete dinner with hospitality champagne, just $7.25. Cheers is minutes from all theaters, right around the corners from all transportation. And if you're driving, parking is free from 5 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Dress casual. For reservations, call 244-8810. Cheers. 120 West 40. Speaking of trouble, we have with us the House of Chant, 7th Avenue and 52nd Street. And if you're looking for a good Chinese restaurant where a good ball player likes to sit down to a nice bowl of Chinese food, I'd like to suggest the House of Chan, seven days a week. They've got a bar, it's a good restaurant, and fine Chinese food. 